Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Don't Miss This Podcast, a Come Follow Me study with Emily Bell Freeman and David Butler. We fill this show up with all the things we think you don't want to miss in the scriptures every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Hi there, everyone. I'm David Butler. I'm Emily Freeman. Welcome to Don't Miss Decided to Take a Big Swallow right before. <laughs> um, so happy that you're here. We're halfway through the book of Isaiah right now. I think we're about halfway. Yeah. Halfway through this lesson, we'll be halfway through. <laughs> I'll make sure to point out when that happens. Um, if it's your first week, part. we are we move through the scriptures on this podcast. We start in Genesis this year and we're going all the way into the book of Malachi. And uh, we just followed the Come Follow Me curriculum, and we point out things we think uh, that you don't want to miss. Clever. Yeah. Uh, So uh, we're going to jump in with our timeline and just kind of like re, uh, what do you say, navigate ourselves? (laughs) That's not the right word. (laughs) Orient? Orient. That's the word I was thinking of. Okay. Okay. So you remember in this timeline of the history of uh, the House of Israel, isn't this funny, by the way, that I was thinking about this this week, that the Bible really focuses on this tiny spot on the earth the whole time. Like, it's like this little nation yes, with a nomadic family, <laughs> you and know, and it's like, everything, zoom, but it's talking about how it yeah. impacts the whole world. Um, okay. Remember, as they got into the house of Israel, as they got into the promised land of Israel, they had these three kings and then the kingdom split after Solomon, a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. And both of these kingdoms, you remember, end up being destroyed, the northern kingdom by Assyria. And then about a little less than 200 years later, the southern kingdom is going to be taken away by Babylon. And Isaiah, the prophet, is one who actually prophesied to both kingdoms. He, some, some of the prophets were kind of exclusively directing their message at one or the other. Isaiah kind of directs his at both, and he spans the time when... I mean, he's he's giving his prophetic messages before the northern kingdom is taken away. He is there when the northern kingdom is taken away. Um, but he'll actually die before the southern kingdom is taken away. But he warns the southern kingdom that the same thing that happened to the northern kingdom is going to happen to you. You're following in their same footsteps. You're about a hundred some odd years behind, but you like yeah. if you don't. All this is going to happen. And you love that the prophecies, particularly in these chapters we're learning about today, are going to talk about what's going to happen 100 to 150 years after the prophecies are given. So we're going to be talking about this. And then he's going to tell, this is what's about to happen to you, is this right here. And even though we're going to watch all of that actually come to pass, exactly how Isaiah says it will come to pass, all of those words about that captivity and what the world is going to look like and then the eventual deliverance and restoration and redemption of that house are all themes that matter to us also today. Those are part of our story as much as they are going to be part of this story as well. So it's fun to watch it, I think, because we actually get to see it literally happen in the Old Testament. And then it helps us to be like, okay, then what might this look like in my life today? Um, because I can see how it happened in this story. So what will it look like in my story? Yeah. 
Okay, the word we're gonna put in is redeemer and it's gonna go in spot number 39. You'll notice in the journal at the top of all the Isaiah pages, we have the phrase learning Jesus. And we're kind of focusing a little bit on some of the roles that he takes, that Isaiah like describes him as throughout the book. Last week, we talked a lot about him being a deliverer. That, and, then, and then this week, uh, redeemer. Obviously, you can use these as like, what do you say, synonyms of each mm -hmm. other. They have yeah. like, you know, they're going to overlap in their nuances, but we like these words that Isaiah uses. Now, one of the things that um, you're going to see this, this week, we're going to, this might be a pattern for those of you who are wanting to teach this lesson that you might want to use three different sections that we're going to kind of focus on God's might, God's message, and God's means uh, as we go through. Um, so this organization might be helpful and then you could lean into one or more of them, however much you want. But one of the things Emily was saying was, um, that you're going to find in this section is God kind of comparing himself to the false idols of the day. And you're going to see that repeated over and over and over again. One of the things that he says is, I tell you the future and it comes to pass. <laughs> But the wooden idols don't, you know? And, and you'll see uh, several other spots too. For example, if you go to Isaiah chapter 40, here's one. You're going to see this throughout this entire section of scriptures, 40 through 49. But you're also going to see it um, throughout the rest of the book of Isaiah too. Language like this. If you go to Isaiah 40 verse um, 12, start in verse 12, uh, he says this. Who hath measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and meted out heaven with a span or a ruler and comprehended the dust of the earth in its measures? Um, according to ancient thought, whenever before and current thought, before you build something, you measure it out. And so he's talking about this is creation imagery. And he's talking about- And I, don't about, you love that it is so huge? Yeah. He's like, he measured out every piece of dust. Right, right. He had like a yardstick that could measure the whole heaven. Like our mind can't even comprehend. And he's like, it's, I know how many stars there are. Yeah. Yeah. And it sounds like a little art project, right? That he takes the waters in the palm of his hand. Yeah. just like, have you ever seen the ocean? Like that doesn't go in the palm <laughs> of anyone's hand. You know, that's like, it's yes. gigantic. And it's just like, so you get language like this, and as you keep reading, you'll see it. The nations are as a drop of a bucket and are counted as small dust of balance, like when you, com when you compare it, you know? Um, and so you'll see a lot of this language that you want to be looking for and finding like God expressing how mighty and how great he is, which might make you pause and think to yourself like, uh, uh, why are you flex? Like, why are you like flex on everybody? Why are you like, you know, saying this is how how um, great I am? Um, and it's because he's trying to express and say, don't put your trust in these idols that can't prophesy, that can't measure out the heavens and the earth. Don't put your trust in these things that can't help you, that can't solve your problem. One of the reasons he says he's mighty is because of what he's planning on doing with that power and that might. It's almost like you started off saying like, I need you to trust how powerful yes. I am. Before, and and I think onto that, let's add this here because I don't know if we put it anywhere else and we loved this part so much. Um, I love the thought of how 
big he is, of how powerful, of how mighty, because I don't know if this is true for anyone else, but there are times in my life when what I am facing feels so much greater than my capacity or even that, like anyone's capacity. Like I, I sometimes I look at it and I'm like, this is bigger than me. And this is also bigger than anyone I know. We, we can't handle this. We're not going to be able to overcome this. And in those moments, I want a God that is that great. I want a God that is that big and that powerful and that mighty. But then there are also moments too on the flip side of that where like, I want to be known Mm -hmm. by him. And sometimes when I think of him so big, I forget about, or I wonder about his ability to like know me. And in the midst of all of those stars, does he know me, you know, and, and that, and I love in 46 when Isaiah wants to say, let me tell you about this God and, and what he does and what he's like. And as you're talking about the idols, because on one hand, he is so big, he tells us, and he's so mighty and he's, he he can do all of these things. But then I also love this reminder where he's like to them, your idols are silver, they're wood, they're, you know, they're metal there. And not only that, I love, he says this to them in 46 verse one. Also, you have to carry your idols on beasts and upon cattle. Your carriages are heavy loaden with these idols. Like that, they weary your beasts. You're having to carry them everywhere you're going to go to worship. You have to pick up your God and you have to carry him somewhere to worship him. And then I love in verse four when he's like, Let me just remind you of this. Um, And then he says this, I am he and I will carry you. He says, I, um, I have made and I will bear and I will carry and I will deliver you. And I just, I love that all of a sudden he also becomes so small. Like he's like, you spend all this time making those idols. Then you have to bear those idols and then you're having to carry those idols. And then they're actually, what are they doing for you? And meanwhile, I actually made you and I will bear you and I will carry you. And I love that um, it goes from that big, the measure of the stars and the sand to, to me. Like I actually made you and I will bear you, and I will carry you. And I love that Isaiah wants us to remember both how mighty he is, but also how he, he like, knows me. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Like, even that, that imagery of in, the, in the, my, the hollow of my hand. Yes. That he's just, like, on one end, like, the, the, the oceans of the world are so vast, and they're so daunting and they're so like uh they move you with how big they are which i think is the dichotomy here is really really important to have both in the soul Mm. like one like you should be in awe you know of how Mm. mighty and big god is and then at the same time you ought to remember the imagery is in just the palm of my hand yes like the palm of your hand is like a, it gives that feeling of like, oh, it's actually like close. And, and he's yes. so, like, you'll like hold a bird or something yes. in the palm of your hand. Yeah, like, you right? love something... that he's, he can be both mighty and mindful yeah. at the same time. It's, yeah. it's such a neat balance. Yeah. So this is the reason that he's going to spend a lot of time in these sections really showing that might. That he's like, look at everything I'm able to do. 
Now, look how I'm going to use my power. Mm-hmm. Look how I'm going to use my influence. It's, it's kind of funny that we live in this world right now where the more power or the more money or the more fame a person has, the more unreachable mm-hmm. they are. You know? Yeah. Like you could never send Taylor Swift a DM that she would answer today. Yes. Yeah. You know, it's just like you've, you've gotten too big for someone like me. And Isaiah presents God in the opposite mm. manner. It's like he is greater and more powerful and more wealthy and more knowledgeable than, but he is reachable. That yes. he's right here. And yeah. you're going to see that language like in your midst. In fact, yeah, one of our, our favorite, favorite places yeah. you see that is in Isaiah 43. And um, what, do you want to do you want to yeah. start 43? Yeah, 43, wanna... 1 through 5 is my favorite. I know we have a lot of favorites here. <laughs> don't miss this. But 43, 1 through 5 is like my life scripture. Garrett spoke in uh, state conference last weekend, and I went out and listened. And there was one point where he was like, this is my life scripture. And I was like, I love that thought. Yeah. Like, what what is your life scripture? That thing that is like, guide you, this is mine. This is Mm. my life scripture. And he says this, but now I'm going to paraphrase. I'm just going to pull out my favorite parts. But now thus say Say where you are. Oh, Isaiah 43, one through five. But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by name. Thou art mine. And that's the part that is just so like, Mindful, yeah. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee, and through the rivers they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through fire, thou shalt not be burned; neither shall the flame kindle against thee. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. And then this is my favorite part when he says this: Since thou was precious in my sight, I have loved thee. Fear not, for I am with thee. And I just love that thought about since you were precious in my sight, I have loved you. Don't mm-hmm. you love that? I remember when Grace came home from her mission and she got in the car and um, we were driving and our car was full to the brim. Like everybody was in there and Grace was squished in the back. And we had the people who were not in Utah on FaceTime on the phone driving with us because nobody wanted to miss any part. So there was 11 of us in the car together. (laughs) And I said to Grace, what is the number one thing you learned on your mission? And she said this, that I'm God's favorite. Hmm. And my first reaction was, you can't say that. And don't tell that to anyone else. Like in my mind, I was like, that sounds like so like, I just don't know if you can say it. And then the more I thought about it, I was like, well, why can't she? And also, all 11 people in that car are also God's favorite. And he's that big. Like, everybody can be his favorite. Everybody can be precious in his sight. And it flipped a switch in my mom brain that now I call all my kids my favorite. (laughs) And for the first couple weeks, it was a little confusing, everyone, because... That everyone was like, first of all, should you say that? <laughs> and then second of all, when I said it to the other people too, they were like, okay, we got to readjust what like favorite means. Mm. But my kids will say to me all the time, I'm your favorite, aren't I? And I just love saying, yes, mm-hmm. you are. Um, and I love that that is kind of what he's saying right here is 
you are precious in my sight and I know you. And don't you just love that thought of like, what did you learn over the last 18 months that I'm God's favorite? Hmm. Um, I want all my kids to think that is true, but that's what this scripture makes me think. And if water comes on you, I will help you. And you're not going to get burned because I love you. And also I am your savior. Yeah. Don't you love that? That's some, that, that kind of language of like those possessive pronouns yes. that you find over and over and over again in Isaiah are really, they, they teach that one aspect yeah. of like, you know, it's like how this mighty God claims me yeah. and says, you know, you are mine. Um, part of the thing that, I mean, you might recognize as you read some of those verses, you're like, oh, I know some of those stories. I remember mm. when they walked through the waters. I remember when they walked through the rivers. Yeah. We're going to read a story in a couple of weeks of being in the furnace and not, you know, being burned. Yeah. And just, you know, and you're like, oh, I know those stories. And one of the things that the Lord does in this section of scriptures and throughout all of scripture is reminds them about some of these great things that he has done. You'll see it other times in inside chapter 43. Like he'll say this in 16, thus saith the Lord, which maketh a way in the sea and a path in the mighty waters. Like he's reminding them. It's like, before I tell you what I want to tell you, let me remind you who I am. I'm the God who opened up the way of rescue for your ancestors. Like that was, that was me, right? <laughs> so let me just now, now, you now do you remember who I am yes. and what I'm capable of and what my like, what my heart's intentions are. You know, like he reminds you of a story that says, "I'm I have an intention to rescue. I have an intention to save. I have an intention to protect. I have an intention to deliver. Mm-hmm. Right? I have an intention to redeem. That's that's where's the po- you, right oh, the poster we had to move yes. over because it was in the way. Yeah. Right." And we love the, this redeem that we pulled right out of this Isaiah 43, 1. Uh, Thus saith the Lord that created thee, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. That word redeem, it actually can be translated from two Hebrew words. We have one on your poster for this week. Um, to deliver in any wise is one of the things that it means, but it also means to deliver by any means. Yeah. And I just love the thought of that. Like whatever it takes. If you're in water, I know how to do that. If you're in fire, I also know how to do that. Like both extremes. He's like, let me give you both extremes of what could happen to you. I can deliver you by any means. I can take care of that. Yeah. And and if I if we can go back to a verse in, in verse 41, I mean, excuse me, in chapter 40, one that you're probably familiar with. I like that how it shows this, where it says this, every valley will be exalted Every mountain and hill shall be made low and the crooked shall be made straight and the rough places made plain. Um, I would retranslate that verse to say, and and if I have to move heaven and earth Mm. in order to get you back, that's what I'm going to do by any means. If I need to fill in all the valleys, awesome. If I have to cut down the mountains that I made on day two, awesome. (laughs) Like whatever I have to do, yeah, and in any he's wise, done it. by any means. Right? He's done yeah. it. He's like, if I have to open up the water, then I'm going to open up the water. It's what I'm going to do. And there's this verse, and then that part you have yeah. in the ESV that's so good, um, that says, oh, well, read that line from the ESV, and then I'll show the verse that I think it goes really okay. well with. So we love this from the ESV. It says, Exodus was representative of what God does. 
and that it is therefore repeatable. And I love that thought of, he's like, let me just show you at the very beginning of this whole story what I can do. I can move the whole water and make the ground dry. Um, and I can actually repeat that. Yeah, I'm just writing down because everyone's going to want that quote and we'll put it on our Instagram. Oh, that's so smart. Um, okay, that's why I was doing everyone, writing that down. But look what he says. So verse 19, back in chapter 43, where you got the Red Sea imagery. At the beginning of 19, it says, behold, I will do a new thing, right? Where he's just like, that's what I do. Now watch me do something just as amazing, just as marvelous, just as miraculous mm. as I've done in the past. I'm going to do something new yeah. for those of you who are reading this right now. And I love that he's like, I can make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Like, name me anything that can't be done. I can do, do it. that thing. And we love this hint back to the very beginning. If you were with us at the very start and we talked about that name, I am. And, it, and we talked about how it means I am who I have always been. Um, but we also love that it can also be translated to mean I am what tomorrow needs, right? I, or demands. Or demands. Yeah. I am what tomorrow demands. I already am. And we love in verse 13 where it says, yea, before the day was, I am. And I just, I love the thought of that, that he's like, I am, I am already fully capable of whatever tomorrow is bringing mm. to you. I'm, I'm ready now for whatever tomorrow will bring you. And I love that. Thought. Yeah. And it's all, every time you read this, you'll have to be, per, you'll have to like be particular about this while you read. Anytime you see capital L-O-R-D and throughout Isaiah, mm. he's going to keep saying it. Remember that's translated from L-O-R-D. Whenever you see that capital letters, it's Yahweh or I am. And it's always a reminder of that. And you're going to see the Lord say again and again and again, I am the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. And packaged in his name, you're like, I know what your name is. He just is reminding you of everything he yep. has been and now everything he will be for you. Every time he uses that title, that's one of the things that he's... Yeah, the imagery. Yeah, that he's trying to like bring you back to remember that about him. So, that's so good. mark that every time you go through and it says, I am the Lord, the Holy One of Israel. I'm reminding you what I've done for the house of Israel since the very, very beginning. So this idea of like what God's might is spills right into this concept of what his message is. Like this is what he's going to be and this is what he's going to do and this is the expression of his character that you are going to see past, present, and future. Okay, this is one of our favorite parts of this lesson. And um, this is something you're going to love if you're doing a personal study, if you're doing a family study, if you're teaching, um, whether it's a Sunday school week this week, I didn't look ahead to see, or if it's next week, you might want to pull it in um, for that Sunday school week. One of our favorite parts of this lesson is how Come Follow Me starts out, and it reminds us that this whole set of scriptures starts out with one word, and that word is comfort. And we love that part of what his message is, is this message of comfort that if you're discouraged or disheartened or whatever is going wrong, that this is a message of all is not lost. There is hope, right? It is a message of hope. And as we were going through and preparing for this lesson, you should see our list of 
all of these scriptures that we were like, this one is so good. This one is so good. And there was going to be so many that all we were going to do was sit down and read you scripture verses because <laughs> there were so many good ones. And then we thought, who doesn't want this in their scriptures? What if we made an all is not lost list? What if there was a piece of paper that you had or a screensaver on your phone that you had on those days when you just need to remember all is not lost? A set of scriptures, maybe life scriptures that you could just pull out. And so we sat down and we started looking at all of our favorites and we've made you a list um, that says this and with a verse underneath so you know exactly where to go. If you need an increase of strength, then you'll go to Isaiah 40, 28 through 31. Um, if you are the last, if you are frightened, if you are drowning, if you are lonely, if you feel unknown, if you've misstepped, if you've forgotten whose you are, if you can't take another step, or if you feel forgotten, and then a set of verses for any of those times that you might just want to sit down and say, oh, this is exactly how I'm feeling today, then you're going to open up into Isaiah 40 or 41 or 42 or 43 or 44 or 46, 49. And there is going to be his message of hope in that moment. And we'll print that out for you so you can slide it in. Or if you're teaching the youth, maybe you want to print one out for all of them that you can just keep in your Isaiah um, chapters, which I think would be awesome. That's what I'm going to do with mine. Um, but we wanted to talk about two or three of them that we just loved. Um, so you can kind of get an idea of what you're going to discover when you do this part. And, and let's just say this again, like I, I just keep, I want to connect these really, really well for every, oh, PS, this is our Instagram handle on the board right here at don't miss this study. Um, that's where you'll find a link. We'll also put the PDF of this list in the app. Um, and it will be in the highlights um, because we'll put it up one day in the stories, but if you by chance miss it, and we'll try and put it up right at the beginning, the highlights are right in the middle of your phone. If you don't know where they are, ask someone who's a teenager. They <laughs> will show you where it is. And there will be a highlight bubble that will have the all is not lost list. And then you will just be able to click on it and then you can screenshot it and print it. That might be the easiest way, but we'll put it on the app. You can print out as a PDF um, in case you're wanting to use it for your lesson. Okay. So what I was going to say when I got, when I saw that was like, there's a lot of times when like someone might ask like, well, what can I do for you? And what you think in your mind is, oh, nothing actually, because you don't have the capability to help my particular problem. Mm. Like you appreciate the offer, but you might look at your neighbor sometimes and say, you're actually not strong enough to help me. You're not wise enough for yeah. this problem. You don't have enough influence and power for this. And so you can't. And the reason God's might goes first is because he wants to establish right off the bat, whatever I promise here, I'm capable of mm. doing. If I can put a river in a desert, then I can actually solve any of your questions or problems that come up in this That's column. so good. And I love that thought because it's kind of this thought about, let me remind you of my character and capacity. Right. Um, let me remind you who I am. And then so you can say to me, okay, um, this is what I need. Lisa Joe Baker at 
the Jubilee taught that so well that it's not the how, it's the who. That's what we have to remember. We get to these and we think, how will I get through this? And um, the right question to ask is, who will help me get through this? Who do I turn to? Who Who do do I I turn to? Who do I look to? Yeah, it's not how, it's who. Where's Where's the verse? Oh, man. I'm, I am both willing and able. Oh, it's in Romans 4, I think, is the one you're thinking about. You know, like that's yeah. a really, it's, those two um, words are the same words yeah. you just said that started with a C. Character yeah, I, I don't capacity. just promise, yeah. but I am able also willing to and perform able, it. Willing yeah. right? I and, have the heart to do it, yeah. and I have the strength yeah. to do it. Yeah, it's right? so good, yes. Um, so we're going to go through just some of our favorites. From that list, From yeah. this whole list, but we're hoping you'll... Take time to just go through the list and and lean into who he is and this message of hope. It is so powerful. That's probably the most powerful part of this lesson. Um, I want to talk about if you are the last for a minute, because I had a really interesting experience this week. And then we stumbled on a verse today that we both just loved. So I'm going to take you to Isaiah 41, and we're going to verse 4. And it's going to say a scripture phrase that we have heard 10,000 times. I know we exaggerate a lot, but that's not an exaggeration. (laughs) Um, Because you hear it all over in scripture. But for some reason, in this verse, Isaiah says it just a little bit different. And all of a sudden, you're like, wait, I need to think about that for a minute. So he says in verse 4, chapter 41, Who hath wrought and done it, calling the generations from the beginning? I, the Lord the first and with the last, I am he. And we love this thought of, um, we hear him a lot talk about, I am the first and the last, I am the beginning and the end. But there's something awesome when he says, I am the first and I am with the last. Um, I don't know if any of you are hikers. We're not like super big hikers in our family, are you? Oh, I love hiking. Okay, I think we've had this discussion before. And that was... Exactly. Oh, what happened before? (laughs) I hate hiking. I was like, do you love hiking? Because I've never in the entire time I've known you ever heard you go on a hike before. So you must do it when I'm not We did say it a couple weeks ago because Jenny was with all her college girlfriends on a trip, on a hike, on a three-day hike. That is so funny. And they said while they were on the hike, you this is funny that you're here because we just listened to David oh, well, and Emily talk, talk about how they... <laughs> Who was it? I was surprised twice by that. I'm like, you are? <laughs> well, there you go. That is how life has been lately. So, um, yeah, we're not hikers either, but I am a, enough of a hiker to know this. Somebody has to go at the end. Yeah. Like somebody strong has to go at the end. Someone brings up the end of the hike and... I love that thought that he's like, where's he going to be when you're hiking? And he's the strongest. He's the mightiest. He's the, like, knows everything. In your mind, you're like, he's going to be at the front because he's going to be the first one there. And I love that he's like, oh, no, no, no. Well, and he says that I am, right? He's like, I'm the first, which means I'll trailblaze and I'll lead and I'll guide. But also, I am with the last. I I just love that he's like, that when you look back and you're like, wait, who's going to bring... It's him. Yeah. Um, I was on a girls' camp hike one time, and it got so hard at the end. Maybe hikes always get hard at the end, but this hike was particularly hard at the end. And to get up to the lake, people who are hikers probably know exactly what I'm talking about because it was here in Utah where I live. I don't know. 
you have to climb up boulders to get to mm. the lake. So you're not on a little dirt trail anymore. You're like climbing up boulders. And there was one girl who had really struggled the entire hike getting up there. And when we got to the boulders, we all the leaders were like, what are we going to do? Like, what are we going to do? And the answer we had come up with was leave one of the leaders at the boulders with the girl. That's mm. what we were going to do, which you were kind of sad about because the whole reason for the hike is the lake. But we could not figure out a way to get the girl to the lake. And next thing you know, this girl's sister, Casey, who had been at the first she was the first one up there. She was the trail blazer. She made the whole way. She got all the way up there. And once she got up, she realized her sister wouldn't make it up. She just knew. She knew. Once she got to the other side, she knew. And as we're having this discussion as leaders, she doesn't even say anything to us. She, you see her just scaling down all those rocks, comes up to us, picks up her sister, puts her on her back. Hmm. And scales, we just all sat there in awe and climbs back up all those rocks that were huge, like boulders. I'm not talking about like stones. I'm talking about like as big as I am with her sister on her back, carries her up there. And don't you want to think about that when you're Mm -hmm. like, I am with the last. Mm. Um, This week, just by accident, does this ever happen to you when you're studying I was studying something else that had to do with something like it all made sense where I was going. And then God took me on a detour to someplace where I wasn't even going at all. But I stumbled upon this talk by J. Reuben Clark, and it was called, what did I tell you it was called? The Last Last Wagon wagon or something like that. that. And, um, And he says this, I would like to say something about the last wagon in each of the long wagon trains that toiled slowly over the plains, up the mountain defiles, down steep, narrow canyons, and out into the valley floor that was going to eventually be home, this last wagon. Last because the ox team that pulled it was the smallest and leanest and weakest and had the tenderest feet of any in the train. It was slow starting and slow moving. Last because worn and creaking, it took more time to fix and to grease. Um, I love when he talks about um, it was last because little Bill was still cooking and cleaning up breakfast because mother wasn't able to help much. Um, It was last because the tiny baby who was poorly nourished must be washed and coaxed to eat the rough food, all that they had. And so because they had to do that, they they had to wait until he had eaten, until they could go. Um, He talked about how this last wagon pressed forward worn and tired and footsore and some sometimes almost disheartened but borne up by their faith that God loved them and then he tells this um this neat part of the story well there there's this one other line that I love there was nearly always something wrong with the last wagon or with its team and then he says um this Um, Oh, and he talked about the dust too, that the last wagon never got to see the brethren at the front and they never got to see the blue of the sky because all they had was the dust stirred up by all the other trains. And um, then they talked about this last wagon and they talked about little Bill, weak and wan, and um, how he had gotten sick at the end, dangerously ill, and how his lungs were weak 
And when that illness grew worse and worse, the elders came and prayed that he might get well. But the Lord wanted little Bill with him. So a few mornings later, a weeping mother and a grief-stricken father and that last wagon swung into place in line, leaving beside the road under some scrub brush a little mound, unmarked, save for heaping rocks, um, the grave of little Bill. And I just think we all know what it is to be the last. Mm -hmm. We know what it is to be the last wagon, the weary, the one broken down, the one staying behind because the burden is too big to just jump in with everybody else and go. I, I can imagine that mom just waiting until the very last minute to put her wagon in the line. And then I read this and I love when he says, I am the Lord, the first and with the last. It's so sweet. Like all is not lost. Yeah. Um, he, he's going to bring up the last wagon. That's where he would be if yeah. he chose to walk. That's where he would be. It's, it's, I mean, it's even more powerful as you read through all these chapters to me that like they're kind of in a rebellious state mm. right now. Yes, that's true. You Israel. Know? Like yeah. they're not in this like, you know, go to church every mm -hmm. Sunday state, yes. right? Yes. But that this is still the message mm. of the Lord to a people who've turned yes. their back to him. That's so right? good. He's not petty with them and he's not, yeah. you know, there's yeah. something about that that's really, and, and I love it as you said that, you know, obviously our list will be different, but everyone watching is going to, is thinking to themselves, oh, I'm the last because of the home I grew up in. I'm the last because we can't get a job. Mm. I'm the last because of the broken marriage. I yes. mean, I'm the last because, because like, it won't be a wagon stuff, but People have their reasoning for why they feel they're the last. Yes. And then that's the beauty of this list is yep. when it says, if you feel like you're the last, yes. come to this verse. Yep. It's so good. Um, I'm going to do one more because I can't resist it. I had two really amazing experiences this week. So the other one I'm going to go to is um, chapter 44. And this one is so good. It's um, similar to chapter 43. Those first like eight verses are, are so good. But in this chapter, he wants to keep reminding you, I am the Lord's. Like that's what we've got to remind ourselves. I am the Lord's. And, and he knows who I am. And there are moments who, when we're going to um, forget whose we are. Yeah. And I love that he's going to remind us. And I went to state conference this weekend and the very first speaker out of the gate was this little girl, little. Like when she got up, I was like, how old is she? Um, she gave a seven-minute talk at state conference to the entire stake up there. and um, Like not little like beehive, like Yeah, no, tiny. Primary. I picked up her <laughs> picture. You guys, I'm just going to show you because you are going to die. This is her right here. What do you think? Do you see her holding her little talk right there? That was her talk, like 10 pages long. That is how her talk was typed up. And there was one moment when she was like, and she was telling us her daily, like how she connects with the Lord. And she's like, and every night my sister reads the scriptures to me because I don't read yet, she told us. <laughs> and I was like, how old is she? You guys, she started kindergarten this year. That is the girl. But your favorite part of state conference is when she stood up 
And she said, she opened up her talk, and then this is how she goes. I am a child of God. And you are a child of God. And if you don't know if you are a child of God, you can just pray. That's what I did. Mm. And he will tell you. And it was so like, just immediately you were like, this is like pure truth. Just that she's mm. just stood up there and, and taught the most pure and simple truths. But as, as if she just stood up and just said this, I am the Lord's. And she just knew it with her entire being. She knew. And and then I loved when she was like, and you are the Lord's. And maybe I wasn't sure if I was, but I was sure she was sure mm. that I was. Mm. That is what you felt like um, as you listened to her. And I just, I love that idea of that reminder that like, just maybe you don't know how it's all going to work out right now, but you are the Lord's. You are. And He knows yeah. how it's going to work out. Yeah. And um, the kind of, th this one that I love so much in the list, uh, it starts like this. It's in Isaiah 49. And the one we have on the thing is, if you feel forgotten. Um, and, you know, it starts with this verse. Sing, O heavens, and be joyful, O earth. Break forth into singing, O mountains. For the Lord hath comforted his people and will have mercy upon his afflicted. And everybody's had moments like that mm. where they want to break out in song because God intervened or God made himself manifest, you know, in their life. But the verse right after that is, but Zion said, past tense, the Lord hath forsaken me and my Lord hath forgotten mm. me. And it's, it's interesting to me that Isaiah seems to teach right here, there will be moments when people feel forsaken or forgotten by the Lord. Like, I think it has more to do with our awareness than it has to do with His mm. activity, but, it's, but there are for sure in this journey that we're on moments where we'll feel that, yeah. where we'll hear other people tell these stories and they're like, that's not my experience. I, like, I feel forsaken right now. You know, I feel forgotten right now. And that's what makes this reminder so powerful. I, um, some of you may know this story. I can't remember if I've shared it on a, a year here or whatever. But um, when I was a, a missionary, back when I was a missionary, I uh, was in Korea and I was um, like, I couldn't even ask where the bathroom was. I hated all the food. I, like, <laughs> because the language. Yeah, the language, yeah. right? Like, I, like everything was like... You know, and I was like, wait, my life got worse when I became a missionary. <laughs> so I thought, you know, I was like, I'm like, isn't this like what God, you know, kind of called me to be and do? Like, why my life got like significantly harder and worse, yes. you know, because Which is of so it. true because you love to talk to people. Right. So it had to have been one of the most lonely times of your entire I life because you so actually lonely. couldn't connect. Yeah. And so I am just like... In there a couple of months, I can't say anything to anybody. And I'm on this college campus and and I'm just looking around and I'm like, oh my gosh, like I, I've been forgotten. Now, several months before I left as a missionary, my mom and I went on this trip to New York. And while we were there, we randomly one night went to this off-Broadway show called The Fantastics. And 
Um, well, I have no idea what the play was even about or anything, <laughs> and I got in trouble for standing on the stage, and I just remember, that's all I can remember. But there was a song. Please say it, was it like, wasn't while the play was happening. No, it was halftime. I jumped okay. up. So, like, during it, you know, they have, like, the, the song that goes through mm-hmm. the whole play, you know, like their theme song or whatever. This, try to remember a time in September. Anyways, so random, whatever, uh, months beforehand. And um, so fast forward, I'm in Korea. I'm on this college campus, and I'm just looking around, and I pictured the globe in my mind, and I saw Texas, and I saw Korea, and I was like, I'm legit on the other side of the world. Like, I thought that was a phrase people use to exaggerate. <laughs> but, like, I'm really there. Like, I'm on the other side of the world. And I said out loud, God lost me. And uh, he forgot where I was. Um, which would be easy to do in mm-hmm. Asia. There's a lot of people there. <laughs> like, that could, you know, like, I'm just saying, oh, you know, mm-hmm. here I am. And then I'm I'm not making this up. Over the loudspeakers on that college campus, the speakers started to crackle on, and that song played on the campus. Try to remember a time in September. And I was like, like that's the in English, that random song started to play. But who even knew? Right. Where it was where it came from. from. Who chose that song? Right. And and I was like, what? And I just started to cry, and my companion walked over. He's like, are you okay? You know, and I was like, shh, God's playing a song for me right now, and you're, <laughs> you're interrupting it. And, and it was just like, and I just, I love the words that they said, try to remember. Yes. You know? That time. Um, right, that time. And, and this is how those words, verses go, for when someone feels forsaken, forgotten. Zion said, the Lord hath forsaken me, and my Lord hath forgotten me. It says, can a woman forget her nursing child? that she wouldn't have compassion on the son of her of her womb. And if you're a woman in here, particularly if you've been a nursing woman, you know for sure there are biological and emotional and mental <laughs> reasons why you would never forget that baby. Yeah. But then it says this, yay, they may forget. There is a chance out there that even a nursing mom could forget her baby. Wildly low in statistics, but there is a chance. And he says, and... But he, but he says, yet will I not forget thee. And he says, behold, I've graven thee upon the palms of my hands. Thy walls are continually before me. And I like that it ends there, mostly because I think there may be people listening who just say, well, God's never played a song for me. Like I felt forgotten and forsaken and I've never had that moment reached out. And, and I love that right here it says like, oh, you actually don't, you don't need that song um, you don't need that moment because that moment's already happened, right? He's already engraven you on the palms of his hands. Like, like the proof of his love is is already there permanently, and um, and to me that's almost like he would say, and he says to us weekly, try to remember, mm. you know, the time. And I love. Um... I love this thought that it just made me think of, and I've never thought about this before. This is one of my favorite verses. Um, I have graven thee upon the palms of my hands, and I think about it every time we see a picture of the resurrected Lord. Um, Because resurrected to us means perfect, whole, whole, healed, completely. But for some reason, he chose to keep uh, that, that he... He grave us there. Like he's, we're engraved on his hands forever. He won't ever forget 
what he did for us. And then that second line that I've never thought about, thy walls are continually before me. And many of you may have not have had the chance to go to Israel in your lifetime, but it makes me want to think about the Western wall of the temple. And what happens at the West, does it make you want to think of that? Or does it make no, you want to no, think of something now, else? No, just now. Like, I'm like, oh, yeah. I know. And what happens at the Western Wall, if you've never been there, is people will get scraps of paper and they will write a prayer on that paper. And then they roll it up like the size of a piece of chewing gum and they stick it in the cracks of the wall. They're just stuck in there, all of these pieces of paper Um, these prayers. And when you go to the wall, it's like one of the most reverent places I've ever been to in my life. And you go up there and you write your paper and you roll it up and you put it on and then people will put their forehead right on the wall and they just pray. And um, this is what it is making me think about today is I know of a mom who went and stood at that wall and prayed And she wrapped up her piece of paper and she stuck it in that wall and she prayed for a boy who was lost and who was struggling and um, who was trying to find and make his way. And, and, And it felt like to her there was not a resolution in sight. And that was a private prayer by a mom standing at a wall half a world away from that boy on that afternoon. And just by a chance of miracles and the right thing in the right place and coincidences and all of those things that you would say timing, that boy unexpectedly ended up at that same wall two weeks later, which is so random. And now that I'm saying it really so miraculous, like, mighty, how everything worked out in order for that to happen. And that boy wrote his own prayer and he put it together and he stuck it in the wall and he laid his forehead on the wall and also prayed that maybe he wouldn't feel as lost as he had been feeling. And I saw that boy a week ago. Um, He came to my home and we were just talking about summer and I haven't seen him for a long time since then, which was months ago. And um, he said to me, you know, those prayers I put into the wall, they're coming true. They're happening, which as he was talking about it, I was like, that means then that the paper his mom put in the wall is also being realized in that moment. And I love that thought. Your The walls are continually before me. The prayer of the mom prayed and the, pray, the prayer of the boy prayed. And that thought of just like, it's uh, that wall, it's continually before me, those prayers. And maybe you think to yourself, um, I, uh, uh, what if I never get to the wall? What if I never get to put my paper in the wall? And here's what I love is it doesn't say uh, that wall. It says, thy walls are continually before me. And I just want to say, you know what? Get out a little piece of paper and write your prayer down and crumple it up into that tiny little piece 
and put it somewhere in one of the walls of your house this week and pray all week long because your walls are before him and he's going to hear those prayers. He's engraving you on the palms of his hands. And I just, I love the promise of that. Um, But within that, I love that it's going to take us to this next place because how that prayer, that mother's prayer got answered was by the means of God working through a lot of people, not just one person, through a lot of people to make what happened next come to pass. And I love that he's mighty and he has a message and that message is hope, but he also has a means for accomplishing that hope. And a lot of times we are the means. Yeah. So we're just like fascinated with this idea, words that we throw out a lot and we talk about a lot. Um, The idea of being um, a servant, being a witness, being a minister, And we love that Isaiah is going to teach us what that actually looks Mm. like. And he's going to show us that they they are the means to accomplish God's message. So a couple... And I love... Can we just send you, because I didn't plan to, but I want to, to 3 Nephi 18. Um, There is this one really awesome phrase in there that I think teaches this yeah, so well. I know exactly. Yeah. yeah. And then it will help you to understand where we're going. Oh, I was taking you to the weather app. The weather. <laughs> I don't know why I was doing that. Um, so you're going to go to third Nevi and it's 18. And um, the verse where he's talking starts out and he, he's going to tell us continue to minister, which is awesome because that's exactly what you're talking about. He's trying to teach us how to be what I want to call servant ministers, how to, um, how to continue to minister to people. And then um, he says this in verse 32, Nevertheless, ye shall not cast him out of your synagogues or your places of worship. For unto such shall ye continue to minister. For ye know not, but what they will return and repent and come unto me with a full purpose of heart. And I shall heal them and you will be the means. And I love that thought that, that we will be the means. You remember what redeem means to deliver in any wise or by any means. And sometimes we are the means. We are the minister. Right. And, and there's a couple different ways that he teaches that we can become the means. Mm-hmm. One of those is back in Isaiah chapter 40, the verses up here in 5 says, the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all flesh are going to see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. And, and I think there's reference there. It sounds a lot like the second coming where the glory of the Lord is going to be revealed and everybody's going to see it. But his glory is going to be revealed many, many times before that great day when he comes hmm. um, in individual lives and stories. You just shared a story of where God's glory Um, was revealed. Mm. And so he says this in verse nine, O Zion, that bringest good tidings, get up to the high mountain and bring good tidings. Lift up your voice with strength. Lift it up, be not afraid and say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. That one of the ways that he calls us to be a witness, one of the ways that we we can become the means is to remind people of this, to remind people 
of how mighty that God is. Behold your God. This is mm. this is who he is. This is what he's like. This is what he's been. And this is what you can expect him to be. And and I have a story about that. You know, like yes. I have, I, I will tell you yes. my story. Of where he showed up. Yes. And, and I love that he says, bring good news to people. Mm. You don't need to bring correction to people. You might have a small, very, very small group of people that you are, are in, charge in charge of, of correcting. Of correcting, right? Yep. But other than that, unless someone asks you, your job is good news. Your job is bring the message of his might and bring the message to people that all is not mm. lost. That's one of the ways that we stand as a, a witness of God. We are a witness of his might and we are a witness of his hope. His hope. And his message. Yeah. And the message is, all is not lost. Yeah, that is something we're passionate about. I'm sure you can't tell by <laughs> how we're talking about it. But um, we are passionate about helping people come to know who Jesus is. What is his character? What are his attributes? How does he love people well? Like, how do we learn Jesus if we're not talking about who he is? And that is part of what we do um, as acting as his witnesses is help to help others learn Jesus and not by just bearing testimony with our mouth, but also by like how we respond in situations is how he would respond in situations. And I think it's so interesting. Isaiah does something so interesting here. Um, it starts out in Isaiah 40, 28. I love when he says this in um, that verse, have you not known? Have you not heard? Like he's so shocked about the Lord, the creator of the earth, how he, he doesn't faint and he's not weary and there's no like searching of his understanding. He gives power to the faint and to those that have no might, he increases their strength. Those who are waiting upon the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings as eagles. They will run and not be weary and they will walk and not faint. And I love when he starts out and he's like, wait a minute. Have you not known this? Have you never heard about this? And it makes me want to think, how many people are there out there who, who haven't heard, who don't know that? I, I want to be like, let me tell you about the Jesus I know, because have you not heard about this Jesus? Yeah. I want to introduce my Jesus to you. I, I want you to see what he does and what he's like. And, um, and someone who's disappointed in who he is, or frustrated with who he is, yeah. doesn't actually know who he is. Yeah. And it's like, we need people who are willing to go in and tell the right story yes. about who he is. And how he's shown and, up. Yeah, and what he is actually like. Yeah, yeah. I once had a friend talk to me about growing up, and he's like, the God I believed in, and he started um, listing out that God. And, and he was like, "And I don't believe in God anymore. And I said to him, oh, if that was the God I had been taught about growing up, I wouldn't believe in that God either. <laughs> I said the same thing to someone before. <laughs> I was that's like, funny. that's the saddest God I've ever heard. Yeah. And then my personality wants to say, let me introduce you to my God. Mm -hmm. Let me introduce you to my Jesus. And if we're not talking about him, then there are people who are never going to hear about that. Jesus. He, Isaiah says it again. So it obviously was a problem in his day. And 
I feel like it's a problem in our day as well. He says, when the poor and needy seek water and there is none and their tongue faileth for thirst, I, the Lord will hear them. I, the God of Israel will not forsake them. And I, I love that thought of like when the poor and needy seek and there is none, my personality is like, oh wait, who should tell them? Like yeah. who should go and tell them, oh wait, there actually is some here. Come over here. There actually is some. And, and to be talking about the Jesus we know, the one who has shown up. Um, I, I talked to a lady recently who had left all religion. And we spent two hours talking to each other. And she said, I told people I was coming to lunch with you. And they said, um, this is what would happen when I left, that I would want to know more about your Jesus. And that was the nicest compliment I've ever received yeah. in my life, that I was like, oh, I need to start talking about my Jesus more, yeah. if that is true, because I want everybody to know about my Jesus and, and, these, and who and, he is. And these things, I mean, yeah. they are what is about him. He is He is good news because yep. I love yeah, because he, yeah, he's going to go, yeah, 18. Like, is that where you're going to go? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. yeah. And even further where he just like says, like, this is what, this is what he does, right? Yeah. And this is... Yeah, and, and, and read it. Well, it's yeah, so good. Just, I will open rivers in high places and fountains in the midst of valleys. I will make the wilderness, the desert, the dry, nasty place a pool of water and the dry land springs of water. He's I love like, that he's not like, I'll bring you a red solo cup of water. Here, is this enough? <laughs> <laughs> I love that he's like, let me tell you about how I take care of people thirst. Don't put water in red solo cups. Okay, well, we do. So you know. <laughs> Um, I love that he's like, I'm not just going to bring you a glass. I will bring you a river and a fountain and a pool of water and springs. Like he's like, this is not one glass. Right. And that's what uh, you'll find with him. That's what you will find and should expect and anticipate in relationship mm, with, with him. him. Right. And yeah. then isn't that verse 20 so yeah. cool? Yes. Go there. That and when, because when you share it, it says that they may see and know and consider and understand together that the hand of the Lord hath done this. The Holy One of Israel hath created this. Like that's the experience that we have when we stand as that kind of witness. witness. When we witness of His miracles, mm -hmm. when we witness of 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 His of His heart, of His character. Yeah. It's like, and I love that He's like. Then they will see and they will know. And they will consider it and they will understand. And then I love that he says this in verse 21. Produce your cause, saith the Lord. Bring forth your strong reasons. And I love that thought of like, I want to go into conversations and be like, let me tell you about my Jesus. Let me produce my cause. Let me tell you my strong reasons yeah. of how I know who he is and what he does, I, I love the thought of that. And there's this one other part um, in 42, one through seven, the whole thing is so good. So read all of it. But I love um, that he says this, thus say, I'm in five. Thus saith the Lord, th th thus saith God, the Lord, he that created the heavens and stretched them out and he that spread forth the earth and that which cometh out of it, he that giveth breath unto the people on it and the spirit to them that walk therein. I, the Lord, have called thee in righteousness. And then you love this part. I will hold thine hand and will keep thee and give thee for a covenant of the people and a light to the Gentiles, a light to the people who don't know, like those in the margins, 
I'm going to hold your hand and we're going to walk in there together and you're going to introduce me. This is my friend. This is Jesus. And here's the why in verse seven, to open the blind eyes, to bring out the prisoners from the prison and them that sit in darkness out of the prison house. I am the Lord. That is my name. And I love the thought of that. Of like, let me introduce you to my Jesus. And don't you love that? He's like, I'll hold your hand when you go. Like, yeah. take me with you into those places. I want, when you introduce me, I want to be there. Yeah. Um, this section 42 is, is uh, called by Bible scholars, the servant's song. Because the Lord introduces a concept here um, of the means, right? Mm-hmm. That he's just like, and you'll read these verses and what you'll think to yourself is you're like, oh, I know who the servant is. It is Jesus. Mm. Um, look at the beginning where he says, behold my servant whom I uphold, mine elect in whom my soul delighteth, whom, whom I put my spirit upon him. He shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. Now we need to read another translation of verse one for you so you understand mm. what that word um, judgment to the yeah. Gentiles means. I'm going to read it from the message, which is a paraphrased paraphrased Bible. And this is what it says. Um, Because the word judgment in scripture can be two different things, right? It can be like the the deputy, like (laughs) giving judgment or or whatever. But when Isaiah uses the word, most of the time when he uses the word, this is what he means. Take a good look at my servant. He's the one I chose. I couldn't be more pleased with him. I've bathed him with my spirit, Mm. my life. And then this is the line that's retranslated, that judgment line. He'll set everything right among the nations. And that's what that line means. It's, um, he says, I will send servants and their work will be to make everything right. And I love that that is the definition of redeem too. That definition of the act of making up for. Yes, yeah. And, and that's what he says. And you, and you start going through there and then, oh, I love that verse three so much where he mm. said, a bruised reed shall he not break and the smoking flax shall he not quench. Um, a, a, a reed was used for writing and when it was bruised, it means it was cracked and you would throw it away. And like a flax, if it started to smoke too much, it meant, that, oh, you threw it away and you got a new wick for the oil lamp. And he's just saying like, those things that we think are broken and ought to be thrown away, he's like, he's like, I'm not going to give up on the mm. broken and seemingly useless people. I'm not giving up on the people that produce a lot of smoke because yeah. like, you've got something like wrong. You know, he's like, most people throw those things away. And he's like, I won't. And what I'm calling my servants to do is to be a witness of that. Mm. You know, we've got those verses that we love so much from the book of Mo- Mosiah that say, that are our baptismal covenant verses, that I'll mourn with those who mourn and comfort those who stand in need of comfort. And then says, and to be a witness of God at all times and all things and in all places. And I think we ought not separate those three. Mm. That what is it, if you go backwards, you would say to stand as a witness of God at all times and all places and all things. It's like, what's that mean? Oh, read the lines before it. Yeah, to it bear means, and to mourn right, and to comfort. That that's is what the it, witness. Right, that's what it means to be a witness of mm. him or to be a representative, you know, of him is to go and be and do what it is that he mm. would if he were there. there. 
And 43 um, just really teaches this so beautifully, starting in verse 8. He says, Bring forth the blind people that have eyes and the deaf that have ears. Let all the nations be gathered together. Let the people be assembled. Who among them can declare this and show the for- show us former things? We should answer that question, me, mm-hmm. right? Who's going to gather? Who's going to lead? Who's me? I'll do it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. Let them bring forth their witnesses. You, verse 10, are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant whom I've chosen, that they, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. And this line is so, so important when we talk about the means. Mm-hmm. When we say we are, that he calls us to be the means, it means he calls us to introduce, like you were saying, someone to him, mm. right? Because he says in 11, I, even I am the Lord. And beside me, there is no savior. Your job is not to fix. Your job is to bring people to me and promise them about what I can do mm. and hold their hand through the whole, uh, it, through the whole time yes. they feel forsaken and forgotten. And, right? and he, he says, this is what I've declared and have saved and I've showed that there's no strong, strange God among you, mm. that I'm knowable that I'm present, that I'm here. Therefore, you are my witnesses, saith the Lord, that I am God. Mm, it's so good. And I just, I think to myself, you may be sitting here and thinking of, of all this, God's might and God's message and God's means. And, and you may be thinking to yourself, yeah, but you don't know my story and you don't know our situation. And uh, you might be praying for that one who is lost or for a situation that seems unredeemable. And one of my favorite parts of Isaiah, um, because I am, I am a mom who has raised a boy with a situation that was unredeemable. And what I learned is something that Isaiah testifies of over and over again. And what it is, is, is this, I might not see the way out or the way through. I might see the obstacle too big to ever overcome but that doesn't scare God. And Isaiah will tell us that over and over again. And I love when he says in Isaiah 42, 16, and I will bring the blind by a way that they knew not. And I will lead them in in paths that they have not known. And I will make darkness light before them and crooked things straight. These things will I do unto them and not forsake them. And I love... His thoughts are higher, Isaiah tells us. We'll read that in a future week. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And and I love that he's like, I I know a way that you don't know. I know a path that that you haven't even thought of yet. I can bring light into the place where you can't see a way. That is who I am. That is who our God is. That's what he does. And I love that Isaiah is going to introduce us to that God. And when we have experienced him, then he's going to say, could you please give me a recommendation to someone else? Who do you know who doesn't know the way? Who do you know who is in darkness right now? Who do you know that can't see a path through, Uh, right? All is not lost. Isaiah will remind us, you name me a situation, Isaiah says, and I will tell you, all is not lost. And the reason I can tell you that is because of him. Yeah. Right? 
like Lisa Joe was saying, don't look at the how, how, or even the what. Fix your eyes on the who. Yeah. Right. So good. Okay. I forgot to say when we were halfway through the lesson that we were halfway through. So now we're more more than halfway halfway. through. (laughs) Okay, we'll see you next week. This audio was taken from a YouTube video from our YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube at Don't Miss This. Also, sign up for our newsletter at don'tmissthisstudy.com and you can follow us on Instagram at Emily Bell Freeman and at Mr. Dave Butler. Thanks for listening. Bye.